Hello and welcome to Pastor Talk. This is episode number 24. My name's Ethan, joined today by Pastor Keith Castleberry, as always, as well as Ashley Vargas. Welcome, Ashley. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. So we were, uh, they had an interesting day today, or at least evening, getting here, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Can so, tell us real quick what happened. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I hit a deer on the way here. Um, I guess I've gotten really used to driving in Houston, and you don't have to check for those. <laughs> Haven't been in College we Station in a while <laughs> at night. So I was not actually looking out for the deer and saw it too late and hit so it. So you were driving. Oh, yeah, I was driving. <laughs> I'm glad it was me in my car and not me in my husband's car because that would have been a disaster. So sure. I'm just... <laughs> But yes, that happened. Yes, that was some exciting news we got just a few minutes before we started the night. And so um, yeah. we're not too flustered, though. I think we're good. Yeah, we're right. So tonight we're going to open up with a question. And that question is this What is your experience with foster care? Have you had an experience with foster care? Have you been a foster child at one point in your life? Have you fostered anyone? Have you known someone who fostered? So I want you to put that down in the comment section below. Let us know your experience, how much you know. Unload your brain a little bit in the comment section. Let us know everything <laughs> that you know about foster care. And hopefully we will either confirm that or right. maybe counter that tonight. Who knows? Right. Because tonight we're going to be talking about foster care with Ashley Vargas here, who's our expert. You're going to tell us everything we have to know, right, by the time we leave well, tonight? I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ashley, while they're commenting below, why keep doing it. Make sure you're typing. Why don't you introduce yourself, let us know a little bit about your journey in foster care, and then your background included in that, your current work, and maybe end up with some of your passions. doesn't have to be included with foster care, just some of your hobbies maybe. Okay. Let yeah. us know who you are. Um, so like you said, my name is Ashley Vargas. Um, I was in foster care for six years, about six years whenever I was little from age five, I was adopted at age 11. I was in three foster homes, um, which for most kids, that's not a lot of foster homes, honestly. Um, but I was in three with my two younger sisters. I was adopted at 11. Um, and then I decided at nine that I wanted to be a case manager or a caseworker. I wanted to work with foster children. So I went and I got my undergrad. I got that in education. I went on to get my master's, which I got in social work, and later on um, applied for a job with Hope Rising, and I got it. And now I am a case manager for children in foster care. Um, so that was kind of my journey there. <clears throat> so you've been with Hope Rising now for how long? Two years, about two years, a little over. Awesome. What do they specialize in? Yeah, so we provide foster homes for um, children who are like in general foster care, which is what we call, which is your traditional foster home. Um, but we also verify homes to provide specialized care for victims of sex trafficking, um, which is um, a lot more difficult than it is to get a traditional foster home, just because it's scary being a foster parent just at all. It's even more so to provide services or to provide care for someone who has been the victim of something like sex trafficking. And sex but trafficking that's what is we a do. big thing right now. I mean, it's... It is. It's, it's it is. It is a very big issue in Houston. Um, and we, you live in Houston now. Yes, So that's I do. an update to everyone who's watching. Right. Yes, I live right. in Houston. Um, I, let, let me update this. She got married two years ago? Or no, no about, about a year ago. About two years ago and a few months. Yeah, wow. so, and... She's married about two years ago, and I want to know if she wants to. Uh, she's also expecting her first baby, so we're yes, excited we about are, that. Yes, we are. 
and uh, sorry, I don't know if I'm. Oh no, it's or not. fine. I didn't okay, know. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Anyway, would have got real so, awkward. That would have been very bad. We'd had to start over. But I'm um, so she she came here uh, as a student and and excuse me as a, well her, her husband who is a, her husband now was a student and uh, they moved off about a year and a half or so ago two years ago and we're very glad to have her back but. Uh, I just embarrassed myself. So anyway, <laughs> I'm very thankful to have her back. But she is one of those top people, I believe, that um, in, in my perspective, is as a, I, I look at her as a minister because as we know, without the foster care system that as we know it today, I believe that um, our world would be, it would not be a welcome place for people, for children, young people, young adults that had no other place to go. And I think you... Uh, you and your team, of course, and there's yeah. more than just just hope right. rising. Oh, but, yeah. uh, I, I believe they're not paid enough, not recognized enough, and uh, I really honor you for doing all the work you do already. You Thank you. Thank just you. Very thankful for you. So, all right. So, real quick before we jump into this, because this could go really deep tonight. It may yeah. not. Who knows where this will go. Uh, but before you forget, make sure you're commenting below. Let us know your experience with foster care. Have you ever known someone in the foster care system? Have you been involved in it yourself? Uh, at the same time, many people are a little restricted. In, if you're in the foster care system, you're a little restricted on what you can say and who and what and all those things. But, um, Ashley, why don't you let us know, do you have any hobbies, things like that we can break the ice with? Any hobbies. I love to read. I like to crochet. You're talking about my personal hobbies, oh, wow. right? Yes. Okay. Crochet. So, yes, yeah. yeah. I started doing that when I was about eight or nine years old. That's cool. Yeah, so I love crocheting. Um, I like camping, hiking, going, being outside. I love coffee. Um, that's my ideal date is and with Robert. And we didn't Robert have any coffee is, for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, no, it's fine. I probably <laughs> shouldn't be drinking it right now. Right, right. <laughs> um, I drank one this morning, had two meetings with coffee, drank one this evening. So I'm like, man, I'm wired. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's a good thing I don't have coffee right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I love coffee. Um, I think that's about it. I just... And pretty pretty laid life. back. And, <laughs> and she has a husband. Uh, yes, I do have <laughs> one of those. <laughs> and he may show up soon. He's probably still dealing with the deer, pulling it out of the grill. I don't know. But uh, was it that bad or was it a little less? I mean, I think it was pretty bad, but I've never hit a deer before. So, I mean, <laughs> the fact that I hit one was awful. But yeah. like I said, I'm happy it was my car and not his because, right. yeah. Is it time for her to replace yours? Just move on? <laughs> Get a new car out of the deal. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, the purpose of foster care. This is yes. something that so many people have misconceptions, which we're going to get into, but let's give us a, a working definition of foster care and what's its purpose. If you so the purpose of foster care is, is twofold, really. It's one, to provide a safe place for children, um, a place where they can grow, a place where they can experience love, a place where they can see what a family unit should look like but it's also a place where a child can stay while the parents or the grandparents aunt uncle whoever it may be can work on themselves so that they can eventually get that child back because that's the idea is reunification we work towards that the we work as hard as that, we can right. yeah to make sure that we meet that permanency goal of reunification that doesn't always happen um but initially it's all the goal is always going to be reunification sure. Um, so it's kind of provide a safe place for children, but also provide just kind of a break for parents who are trying to work on themselves um, without the, not necessarily the 
the distraction, but just the responsibility of having to care for a child and care for themselves. Um, so that's so what, kind of what... You, I mean, I'm not sure if you even have an answer, but what is the percentage or the statistics for the, the percentage that actually return back to their families? So I don't have the actual percentage on that. I will say that back in the day, um, and this is way back, you know, foster care has been around for a while, started with the orphan train and all that. Um, We weren't doing a great job of getting kids back to a safe place. Now, maybe they were going home, but they weren't going back to a safe place. And so we've really been working on the system to ensure that children are being reunited with safe parents, parents who know how to care for them and care for themselves. Um, I will say that we have seen more children leave the foster care system and go back to family or be adopted or whatever, and then we have seen enter into the foster care system. So we are seeing progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as an actual number, I don't have that. Yeah. I know as a pastor, I, I see, and, and of course, I think the church is supposed to be the most compassionate entity in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen students come here that have been foster children. And, and in fact, one uh, that pretty much lingers in my mind a lot was in the foster home system. And he went through, and I can't remember, it was like 25 or 30, maybe 35. It was way up there, homes. Yeah. And he never was adopted. Ended up at 18, they, they you know, they, you kind of get cut off. And you either go to college, the military, or take you know go your own way and I think the the guidance he received uh was good mm-hmm. he didn't receive it well but he you know and that's that's part of that problem uh, I mean I say a problem but that's part of that paradigm of being a foster child nobody wants me right. nobody cares yeah. uh but I think it's part of the church's uh, intent anyway and and should be part of our ministry to reach those that don't think much of themselves because they have been rejected by a parent or, or, or maybe not rejected, but um, wasn't re- well received anyway. Right, yeah. So I, I, I think that that's something. That's the reason, one of the reasons why we're talking about it tonight is because the church really needs to be more proactive, more engaged in this than, than ever, and right. especially with all the problems. Right, yeah. So yeah. You, y'all see, and I'm, I'm assuming... And I think we can all, I think anybody listening to us would assume, well, it's, you know, it's drugs, sex abuse, uh, alcoholism. Is there any things that we don't naturally perceive people, the, the causes for people going into the foster system? Is there something out there that we're not perceiving? Is it just typically drugs, alcoholism, abuse of some sort? Is that what happens? Not always. Sometimes it's just that the parents were not equipped to care for the child. Okay. Um, so I know with, with myself, I was put into foster care because my my birth mother was not able to care for us. Um, and she, she just didn't have the right housing. She didn't have the correct transportation. She was with multiple men at a time. There wasn't really any abuse going on from her. And we had left my birth dad a long time ago at that point. So there wasn't any abuse going on from her. We just didn't have stable housing. We didn't have stable transportation. She didn't have a stable job. And people did multiple calls to CPS. Yeah. Our babysit, our, what is it? Our daycare was right behind the CPS office. And so wow. when she was late picking us up, well, that got reported. 
Uh, so it can be things like that, that they just don't have the ability, they don't, or they weren't cared for correctly themselves, so they're doing what they know. Yeah, it can be very generational. So, right, right. I know that um, one, of the, one of the situations I've seen, as a, as a, I'll say this as a pastor, um, is people carry with them baggage, and then they, unfortunately they take it either, they give it to their children or take it out of their children, however you look at that. Right. And I think that is very... Uh, sad. Mm -hmm. It's very sad because they could break that chain, break that cycle, and but sometimes they're not given the tools. Right. So, right. anyway. Well, we're getting pretty deep into it. Before we yeah. get too deep, I want to talk a little bit about the misconceptions because some people have ideas, and that's why we instigated that question to begin yeah. with is, what is your experience like? That kind of thing. Because uh, some people are just clueless when it comes to the process of fostering or, or maybe mm -hmm. the impact of fostering. And we're going to get to the role of the church, and that's something ultimately we want to get to. Um, we've got some scripture references we want to bring out uh, because I think this is an integral part of the church is ministering and helping yes. those in the foster system. So if you'll just let us know, what are some misconceptions, uh, little-known facts about the process, this fostering care? Yeah, um, I think a, a huge misconception is – the idea of I can never do it because I'd get too attached or I'd love them yes. too much or, um, you know, whatever it may be. And I know that our foster parents address this a lot on social media and whatever because they do get attached. And we want our foster parents and our kids to get attached, even though it's going to hurt when they leave. And now some people may hear that and think, well, that's awful. Why would you want your foster parents to go through that? Well, our kids need to know what a healthy attachment looks like between yes. a child and parents. They need to know what that looks like, what it feels like. They need to have a healthy idea of what a family unit is. And so, we, yes, we want our foster parents to get attached. We want them to love these kids. We want these kids to get attached to them. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be horrible when they have to go back and you see the child crying because they want to stay. Um, and it's going to hurt. But we have to get ourselves as foster parents, um, and I'm not a foster parent, but I'm going to say we a lot. Um, well, you've been through to, the system, so I think yeah. you have a right to speak, yeah. so don't um, worry. We want to get ourselves to the point where this child's needs is more important than our own perceived our risks yeah. of getting into this. Because the kids need it. They need it desperately. They need to see, especially in, you know, in church, they need to be in church yes. we need yes. those christian right. couples who are going to take these children to church now they may not participate but at least they can see what that looks like and see what a family unit looks sure. like yeah i love that so how many how many and I, i'm deviating from really the question but how many children right now are or i mean i know you might not have an exact number but about how many children are there in the foster care system in texas in texas around thirty thousand. Okay. It's around there. That's not the exact number, but it's around 30,000 30, children. 30,000 children statewide in one way or another, they're in part of, part of that foster system. Yeah. Incredible. 30,000 children. Yes, and not enough homes. <laughs> it, do, you, do you have a ratio of homes, children to homes? Do you, is there a, a no, better No, but we worse, should. Or? We should. Yeah. We should get that. That's a great question. I don't yeah. have the, exa the exact ratio. But I do know that we have children sleeping in the offices. I got a call just last week. The girl had been in the office since mid-September, oh. sleeping in the office. And we 
just there aren't any homes that are able to accept her because she is a victim of sex trafficking and she, you know, had all these other, and they're just, like and I said, in the beginning. there's training that they have to go through to be uh, a home uh, that's ready for that? Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. You know, yes. if it was me and I was trying to make this thing better, and I know this isn't the topic, but I would have a ratio, a three to one or something like that, three children to one home, mm -hmm. and I would market. We are 1,223 houses short, homes, homes short, yeah. and why don't you volunteer? And then next week, go out there on the radio and say, guess what? We've had 123 people. We're only 1,000 short. Why don't you volunteer? I would make it somewhere <laughs> because you want yeah. society to buy into this vision of we are doing this together. Right, yes. And I think... I think when we individual, when we place it as an individual burden, and we're just one little ant doing our little thing, we don't realize that all of us working together could really make a huge difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, just, anyway, sorry, got, got a little carried away. Sorry about that. Right. And uh, <laughs> one misconception that I see, or I've heard people say, is so many people are only fostering for money. Yes. That's something that's kind yeah. of weird to me. Can you explain that? Yeah. So. That's not, I mean, I'm not going to say that there is absolutely no foster parent in the world who is doing it for the money. That's not true. Um, but I will say that we do check your budget whenever we verify you and you're going through the process. We'll go through that with you. We want to see how much money you bring in and how much money is left by the time you pay your bills. You do all of your outings and whatnot. And so let's say that you, Ethan, you want me to... Yeah, you want to be verified for two children. Well, I'm going to look at your budget, and I'm going to ask you if after you spend all this money, with the money you left you have left over, do you think you can care for two more children with that money? If the answer is no, well, then let's look at how you can rearrange your budget, or let's look yeah. at how you can maybe we just need to place one child in your home. Maybe you can't afford two because what you, you get in foster or being a foster parent is you do get a monthly stipend. But that's like a reimbursement. So the idea of a reimbursement is that you had the money at the beginning of, in the first place mm -hmm. to spend, um, and you are getting reimbursed now, for caring for that child. This is evaluated in the verification process at the beginning. Yes. Is there something, because so many people are in it for many years, is this, pro is this evaluation happening every two years, five years? How does that work? So I do it quarterly. I think we are only, we are only required to do it once a year. Um, but I go through mine quarterly with my false parents just because things can change. Now, your budget is your the amount of money you bring in isn't going to change quarterly, right? right. Um, at least it shouldn't. Shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be. Um, but your budget may change. And, you know, what you're doing with your kiddos may change. What you're p buying for them, whatever it may be, that, that will change. And so if I have a home verified for five children but their cost somewhere has gone up, well, we need to look at that. How can we save money? How can we bring that down? You know, um, so yes, I review it quarterly. Okay. So before we get into the role of the church in this, in the foster care system, are there any <laughs> facts that you want to bring out, set the stage before we get that far? Any things that people need to know about foster care that is usually not known? Um, I think, do you have any specific questions? Not necessarily. It's just and I so may ask some, but. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many little facts, and like I have my little list here. Um, I think a huge one is, you know, the, the cost of adopting a child out of foster care, right? Um, I've had this conversation with several people, uh, and whenever I tell them that the cost is going to be around $1,500 to adopt a child out of foster care, they're blown away because they're expecting something much more Because private agencies do charge much more or yes. 
yeah, and it's it's not that at all. It's adopting a child out of foster care is going to cost you around fifteen hundred. It could be less. It could be more, but it's going to be around there because you are only paying for the attorney fee typically. And I mean, we want children to be adopted. We have so many children in the system. We need them to be adopted. We need them to find that that. And the state actually has benefits for and those yes, to encourage. Yeah. Yeah, um, children, children who have been in foster care or who have been adopted from foster care in the state of Texas can receive a tuition waiver so they don't have to pay for their college. They can also receive other benefits such as like their housing being paid for or they will have someone go in and like help them find housing and maybe give them a few things in the house, like help them furnish it. There are other things. They can have their books paid for. And then, um, yeah, there are just there are a lot of benefits adopted and, and is this a state uh, funded this, yeah this is okay. the state of texas i'm only only speaking yeah, for the and state of state's going to be a little different i'm sure yes okay. yes in the system in each state is a little different the rules and regulations and whatever so anything i say tonight is just texas sure, i only sure. know texas, but texas um, is a huge part of yeah. the system you know and i was yeah. just thinking uh, we've got uh, i forgot how many exactly counties 200 if i'm not mistaken right at it and, or maybe maybe 100 no that's north carolina probably gonna say 200 but uh, if you just did the top 10 counties in the state, that's 3,000 3, children in each county yeah. that is needing a home. Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm still dwelling on that, and I hate to because I know we're talking about the cost and the benefits and all mm -hmm. this kind of thing, but it's just hard to believe that we've got 3,000. And, and we're, you know, we're probably on the verge of that top, well, we're probably the top 20 counties. But even then, 1,500 children in the top 20 counties, Yeah. if you just divide it out so simple. So the need is there, and what the, ch what the state has done is try to motivate the families, the good families. You qualify them and then try to motivate them into a place to where they're, you take down all the barriers, or not all of them, but most of the barriers. I guess the biggest barrier would be the emotional um, for people to become foster yeah. parents? I think so. I think there are a few other things such as like scheduling and um, there's something we go over in our trainings is your ecosystem or your eco map. Um, so what does that look like prior to becoming a foster parent and what is it going to look like when you are a foster parent? And sometimes when people see that, they realize that they don't have, they don't have the time to be a foster parent. They need to look either look at their I'll lives see. or come back later. Um, and there's other ways of volunteering in some Oh, way. yeah, absolutely. And that's something we, maybe we can talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're not set up to be a foster parent specifically, right. you can volunteer in so many other ways. Yes. Remind me, and we'll get back to that. Yeah, because I, I want to remember that, too. I've, I've, uh, I can't remember the terms, but we've talked about it. Respite care. Respite care. Yes. Respite care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. So I know some people are probably feeling a burden right now. They're saying, oh, my goodness. <laughs> a <Especially> lot of <laughs> children out there who, who, who need homes. They need a safe place to go. And and you're starting to realize, well, maybe my home is set up for that. Uh, if you're not completely sold, we've got some scripture, some scripture we want to pull out yeah. for us. In James chapter 1, verse 27, and many of you heard this, but for some reason we just ramble through it and, and we don't actually consider yeah. it. But it says this. It says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. The fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The word visit there uh, means take care of, tend. Yeah. 
to to look upon with mercy, favor, regard. Those don't just I know we say to visit the fatherless. Okay, we made a visit. Bye. We're moving on because our life's so important and so busy. Of course, the antonym is to disregard, to neglect, and reject. Pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, ignore it. I live my life. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And what's what's crazy is um, in Exodus, and let me get you the exact chapter, Exodus 22, uh, the scripture, and this is early in God's relationship with humanity, with Israel anyway. He tells the people, you first of all, you're not going to neglect or afflict a widow or a child or a fatherless child, and if you do, they're going to cry out, and I'm going to hear them, and I'm going to punish you for it. Wow. That's just like, I mean, he cares. God cares. Mm-hmm. And that's one of probably 15 or 20 scriptures here. Right, because we could refer to Psalm 82. We see the psalmist wrote, How long will you defend this unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. He's recognizing there's an issue in our world. And how long will you go until you address the issue? Because so often we want to just live our lives just how we always have, no interruptions, nothing, shaking it up. How long will you so continue? So in reality, so in reality, it's not a human problem; it's a spiritual problem as well. I would say so. Yeah, because you've got all these children that need that human touch, that need to, you know, to feel like we said, feel that unity in the home, that peace in the home, that you know, attending church together and loving on one another, and the, the they need that. That's just normal, you know, mental development that they need. But then there's that spiritual development that we need as right. a society to care for them. Right. Um, wow. And this takes us back, talking about the spiritual aspect, to James chapter 1, verse 27, yeah. where the other side of this was, well, the first side was to, to look after the orphans and the widows. And. And their affliction. And, and. to keep himself. So the, the, the subject, the person. Right unspotted from the world. So in scripture uses the word holiness, clean. Uh, so there's combination of caring for the afflicted. Physical. But also being pure yourself. Because th- that's, that's right. the issue that some people run into is they want they have a big heart, but they're not necessarily pure. And that's why so many kids can go from home to home and, and, and even experience abuse in some ways or mm-hmm. things like that. It, it, that's it, hard. That's it hard happens. But if, yeah. if we can... Say, you know what, I can care, but I'm also going to be pure. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to do what God's will is for my life and yeah. be an example for these children who are in our home. Yeah, they I need know, that love you know, and experience. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm only going to refer to the one most impacting person that I know that was part of the foster care system. And I'll just call his name Bob. That's probably the easiest way. But I remember him saying, and I, and I, I don't know, again, I wish I re- remembered, but I think it was, it was around 30 homes that he was yeah. in the foster care system. And not all of them were great. Yeah. In fact, uh, from the stories he told me, and he he, he memorized my number. It, this is what's crazy. Uh, multiple times over the years, I've thought I need to just change my number because i got all these people calling me, and I really wish they'd go through the office. Sorry, people. But <laughs> That's the reality. That's the reality because I get calls 24-7, you know. Yeah. But then about two years ago, three years ago, I get a phone call from Bob. And he said, Pastor Castleberry? I said, yeah. And I knew immediately who it was. And I'm like, man, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I memorized your number. And nowadays we don't memorize numbers. Right. We just don't. But he is, I wished, um, I wished he was still here. 
but he, he's a little hard-headed. Now, it's not all my fault, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but I do wish that I could have helped him when he was younger. Now he's... Well, I mean, you clearly did because he memorized yeah. your phone number and called you yeah. several years later. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, like 10 years later. Yeah, you Crazy. clearly did something. Yeah, well, anyway, I it's not enough, though, and that's kind of the problem we're dealing with, and that's one of the, I think, the burdens that we have as a church, and, and I know that uh, Ethan and his wife have talked about it multiple times, the, the adoption system and the foster system is just one of those things that is in such a low regard in society, yet it's one of the largest needs. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Absolutely. Incredible. It's incredible. Right. So, so now you, um, how many children do you have to, and I'm just not wanting to get into details, but how many children do you, quote unquote, manage in your foster so my caseload right Excellent. now is about, I think, nine children. Um, I will be taking on a couple of more homes, so I think at that point I, I'll have between, I think I'll have up to 13 or 14. So for someone that would, was willing or thinking about adopting, or excuse me, fostering, what could they expect out of you? Um, you let's just say you have 12, mm -hmm. and would they, would they see you once a month? Would they be? Uh, would you come walking through their house at any time of the day and hour? Would you make appointments? Um, what would what would they ex what could they expect from you? Um, so I I am in the home once a month. I am also in the home for the foster parents specifically to go over like their budget, weapon inventory, pet inventory, and all those other things. Um, go over the minimum standards with them. Uh, quarterly that's done quarterly and usually I'll make sure that that falls on a, a day when I need to do my monthly visit with the children so I'm in the home at least once a month um, but I talk to my foster parents a lot probably too much um, I haven't gotten any complaints so I feel like I'm doing a good job but yeah, yeah. so I talk I make sure to at least email them text them call them if I feel like they really need it or if I'm driving because <laughs> sometimes yeah. I get text messages and I'm like, okay, well, I need to take care of this now, but I can't text. So we're going to have a phone call. Um, but I'm communicating with them regularly. I don't want them to go two or three weeks without hearing from me and then feel completely alone because being a foster parent is hard. It really is. That was my other side yeah. of the question. It are, really how is. How much are you there to help them? I try to be as much as possible. Some, I mean, there's only so much I can do, and I really need my foster parents to communicate with me, and I tell them all the time, if you just want to, and I can speak for all the staff at Hope Rising when it comes yeah. to this, if you just need someone to vent to, please call staff at Hope Rising. I don't care if, you know, whatever comes out of your mouth, if that's what needs to come out of your mouth right now so you can take care of yourself and then go take care of this child the way this child needs to be cared for, say it to me. There isn't anything you can say there are very few things you can say. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few. There are some. Um, but that's going to make me come to your home and be like, okay, you're not equipped to care for this child. You know, you're going to have a rough day. You're going to have meltdowns. Right. I've had foster parents call me and they're just crying because it's gotten to be too hard. Um, and sometimes it's just, it's been building up. And I've known about it, but I didn't know how heavy the load was that they were carrying because that wasn't communicated to me. Um, and I'm used to seeing all this stuff every day. So what I see versus what the foster parent is seeing looks very different. Because I may say, oh, well, this is normal. The foster parent is like, no, this is not. I can't yes, handle this. Yes, yes. Um, so I need to know, like, is this load really heavy? How can I help you? 
And so that's why we try to communicate with our foster parents as much as possible, check in on them. If I go into your house and you look like you're about to have a mental breakdown, I'm going to ask you, like, how's your mental health or how are you doing or what's going on? Or, you know, you look exhausted. Like, let's right. let's talk about what's going on. And sometimes it's not even related to the kids. It's yeah. I've had issues with my house all day long and I'm just done, yeah. you know. So, um, my house and your wreck. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that reminds yeah. me of another one. Um, the and I, I don't know how to say this. I look I look at children in a, in a very compassionate light. I've got grandchildren now, which is amazing. But um, you classify, and I'm going to say that word, and I don't know if that's correct. You classify children according to their um, their level of care. Yeah, what they need mm-hmm. because there's there are children that just need a lot more care and I'm, I don't right. know how you would say it in a more polite way but they just need more attention and foster the foster parents need to be really qualified to handle them right what is that called so we have something called the level of care which is basic okay, moderate specialized and intense okay. um, hope rising does not place children who are intense into any of our homes we do place basic, moderate, and specialized. And so what four, those four levels, basic, moderate, specialized, and intense. And, intense. Okay. and I think there's one above it. So when I was in foster care, they were numbers. Um, okay. Now they, they've changed them That does sound years a little ago. bit more. You're number three. Yeah, Oops. you're a level. Yeah. You're, you're a level two. Off the chart. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, excuse me. Yeah. You're special. No, but it's it's based off of the <coughs> level of care that they need. Yeah. So you were right. It is based off of like what kind of care they need. Okay. A basic child needs a basic level of care. A moderate yeah. child needs a moderate level of care. Specialized needs a specialized level of care. So your specialized kiddos look like kids who are primary medical needs, victims of sex trafficking. They need a lot of therapy, a lot of medical visits. And what, what classification um, is that in? Specialized. Specialized. Your basic kiddos will need just the basic care that a child right. needs. Um, now, I'm not saying that your basic level kids and your specialized kids are going to have, like, different number of case managers and caseworkers yeah. and whatnot. You're still going to have the full load of people visiting your home and calling you and texting you. But that moderate, would that but, be somebody that's maybe just hyper or you have some mental So they could be diagnosed issues? with, like, ADHD. Okay. Um, maybe they're having trouble focusing in school, so they need that, that 504 plan or whatever it may be. They need additional classes. Maybe instead of just individual therapy, they need occupational therapy and physical therapy. Okay. Um, so. so that's somebody that's willing to attend, not just be a, you know, a temporary parent, but somebody to really attend to their needs right. specifically. Right. And, uh, and, you, and you, Hope Rising deals with those, those type of children. Yes. So the parents that are, are the possible uh, foster parents that are listening to us tonight can, according to their ability, get involved on any one of those levels. Yes, okay. and they can choose. Now, if we have someone coming to us and they already have five children and they're like, well, I want to take on a teen who is specialized a victim of sex trafficking, we're going to have a conversation yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. That's, that's I'm not saying dangerous. you can't do it. No. I'm just saying we need to discuss what this is going to look no. like realistically in your home um, because that child is – They've been through a lot, and so they're going to have some behaviors. Um, they they need a lot of care. Um, they're going to need medical visits, therapy. Um, so can you take time out of your day from your five children to care for this child who has greater needs? Um, so. Well, now, now, if we, and I'm assuming you said there's five, maybe six levels of care. 
is it, and I, I know it's, I'm pretty sure it's not anyway, 20%, 20%, 20% in each group. Is there, is, does the possibility of having to, or not having to, but the possibility of, of being a foster child to that specialized care, is that maybe 10% of your children or, or, or foster kids, or is, it, is there any number? Is not, no, I not don't have number. a number. Yeah. Um, you're asking great questions. I need to write Sorry. all these down <laughs> and get them. No, they're great. I will say, though, that all of our kids who enter into care knew um, a majority of them, and even some who are already in care, are going to be basic level. Okay. Um, we don't. A majority, a majority okay. of them. Um, even if they enter into care and they really should be moderate or specialized, they're going to enter into care as to basic and then as basic. Evaluate and then we, yeah. after they get in. Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me because there, there are environments that I think that, and in fact, I know I've seen it happen where I would consider a very hyperactive child in that environment is a special case. But if you put him in the right env- environment, it changes yeah. everything, and he is just a as good as any other child. He just did, he wasn't, it was not matched up the right. environment yeah. with his, his needs. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's, that's, I think that's a common, in fact, I think that's a common issue in, in, in a normal household. Right, yeah. Because people get so, and, and part of that is they, they weren't raised properly. Their, their parents weren't educated in how to discipline children or how to manage schedules and if they have a lot of children or whatever. And then they take that and I, I, again, without being taught how to take care of their children, well, this is the way I was taught, and this is the way you're going to get it. And right. it's a whole different world today. Yeah, and especially with our, we are more able to, to find these issues where, you know, I'm going to say 30 years, probably when I was in school, 35, 40 years ago now, uh, they were just ignored or, mm-hmm. or paddled. <laughs> too. I yeah. mean, but now we're like, ah, there's an issue here. Right. And we can work with that child, help them to overcome that issue and really become a productive. And really, as, as a big picture pro- situation, the whole point is we want every child to be a productive part of society. Right. That's yeah. the big picture. Right. But we just need people to help us get them to, to that point. Right. Yes. Wow. Okay. Sorry. This is really good. I love this discussion. <laughs> I, and I want to tell everyone who's viewing right now, this is a great opportunity if you have questions oh, yeah. before we get too far. We'd love for you to put your questions. We've got one in here. We've got a great comment in here I'd love to read here in a little while. But if you have any questions, you're hearing something that sparks your mind, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this is a great question to ask that maybe I won't get around to asking it. Why don't you put it in the comment section, and we can bring that up towards the end. And uh, Ashley, maybe you can answer it. Who knows? Yeah. So we'll see about that. So No, no trick questions. Yeah, questions. <laughs> put them in the comment section. But uh, we've heard stories of Bob or yeah, similar ones yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but we've also had some success stories, such as yourself. Cohen, uh, you were five years old? Around five, you, yes, five uh, years old. You were adopted at 11, is that yes, correct? Yes, I was adopted at 11. Three homes? Three homes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was in foster care for, like I said, about six years. I was adopted in my third foster home. Um, and, I mean... Foster care, being in foster care really impacted my life. It kind of changed my perspective on just how I view people, how I viewed my life, um, what I wanted to be. I can't say that I would be the person I am now had I not been in foster care. Um, And so I think it definitely, in that perspective, it definitely impacted me in a positive way. 
I think I learned a lot of what not to do. Oh, um, yes. like, especially for my job, like how to care for children. Um, I don't remember ever seeing my case manager. And so that wow. really, and it's possible that I saw, I mean, I remember her name. I remember what she looked like when I did see her. And so I think that really, now that I know how the system is supposed to work, that really bothers me because yeah. I see my kids once a month. I get pictures from my foster parents. Um, I feel like I'm as involved as I can be as a case manager with my kiddos in my foster homes. And so that's, that's always been something that stuck with me is I didn't want, and we were, we were abused in all three homes. Um, and so I want to make sure that my kids don't experience that. I don't want my kids to be Say that one more time. Say that one more time. I don't want to make sure you were in three foster homes yes. before you was finally adopted. Yes. And you were abused in all three. Homes. In all three. Yes. Wow. And yeah, I mean, and I don't, I can't, and I know that a lot of it was that we did oh, not incredible. make an outcry. We didn't tell our caseworkers or our case managers what was going on. But in the you homes. also didn't see. But I didn't see them very often. So in reality, that would be a – obviously, it's not the child's fault. It would be the caseworker's fault. Never, yeah. Right, yes. Um, and I'm not – and, like, our therapist was in the home regularly. He was there all day, every Thursday. Um, but, again, if we didn't tell him, he didn't know. There were several investigations on a lot of our homes, but if kids don't say anything because they don't feel comfortable with those workers yeah. – then the investigation is going to get shut down and they're not going to look into it anymore. So I, that's my biggest thing is I want to make sure that when my kids feel comfortable around me, they feel comfortable enough to tell me if there's something going on and that my foster parents know that, yes, I'm your case manager and I want to advocate for you, but if you hurt my kids, mm -hmm. then we're going to have a conversation priority. and right. these kids will not be in your home anymore, and, which is something I, I wish had been done. I how you the word conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if there should be a better term for case manager. I mean, they're just the, the when when I say when I hear case manager, I almost think a disconnect between you and the children. I mean, oh, if really? I didn't know any better, I would say it's case manager. It's exactly. It's just paperwork and mm -hmm. taking care of you know. Oh, or what's your budget look like? What does your house look like? Where's the guns? Where's the dog? Okay, the children are well fed. Okay, I'll see you Need later. A word that, that surrounds mentor or something that that's more active. I'm, in the there's there's a term. I don't know it, but there's a term that y'all need to use. Advocate. Not just manager. Advocate would be oh, case advocate. I'm yeah, sorry. we do call ourselves like advocates for children and whatnot, but my official title is yeah. <laughs> manager, home developer. Yeah. <laughs> but we, that. yeah, yeah. That's incredible, though. I just I just find it fascinating that. Um, the, the case manager, that advocate, plays such an important role. It is All of the workers incredible. do, and they should. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, whether so that job is done correctly or you're not. You're one of the success stories, I believe. I as far so. as, like, being in foster care, I, I think so. As far as being yeah. a case manager, I really hope so. <laughs> You'd have to they, talk to my foster parents. Right. So they'll be able to tell you. <laughs> well, I, mean, I try. They keep sending you to us to do things. So, I mean, I think maybe that's How old were you when, when – when you were able to speak about the abuse, did it take you a long time as a child who went through the foster system? I think when I made my official outcry, I was about tw I was in college. I was 20 years oh, old. Wow. I had made an outcry when I was nine, but it was kind of shut down, and they didn't want it to get out and for people to know. Um, because, again, back, back in the day, it does, and then – you know, the, 
something that was said to me was if you go into another foster home and they were right if I went to another foster home I would have been separated from my sisters because I was I was getting older and that held in the more system value than the abuse. right and I didn't know my sisters were also being abused I think had I known that maybe I would have made a different decision maybe I would have told my caseworker but I didn't know I thought it was just me um and another kiddo in the home but I didn't know it was my biological sisters. I think had I known that, I would have risked maybe being separated from them. But not knowing that, mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't want to face that risk of getting separated from when my I sisters. Of, when I think of the six most successful foster home, foster person, because they're not a child anymore, I think of the movie where the the football player. Uh, blindside. Blindside. Yeah. Yes. I don't know that that was a foster <laughs> child, but it was. It was definitely in that same category. Yeah. But there's others that are that are well known. You named one. Ooh. Yes, my favorite one, Antoine Fisher. Um, yeah. He wrote a book called Finding Fish, and they actually made a movie out of it. Now it is a very difficult book to read yeah. um, because he was abused in his foster homes as yeah. well. I think he was in one home for maybe 11 years, but he was sexually abused in that in that foster home. But we went to an event, and we actually got to hear him speak when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Antoine Fisher. Antoine Fisher. Absolutely loved the guy. Um, But he – so his story, and this is what I use for for people who can't necessarily foster, but maybe they can provide respite care or babysitting. Yeah, and we've had that question. Yeah, so he – What can other people do? Go ahead. Well, <laughs> uh, you tell us what he did. And but he, so he went, he had to go into respite care. I don't remember if it was like three days or five days or a week. It wasn't more than a week, I don't think. But he was in respite care with a great family. And this family was like the, just what a family should be, a loving family, a, a united family. They were great. And that changed his life forever. Just that yeah. one week, those few but. days that he spent with that family and it just it changed we need you to define respite care because when i first heard that i'm like respite care Mm -hmm. what does it mean respite care is basically babysitting for longer than 72 hours so this child can stay the night with you can be with you for longer than 72 hours i think up to 14 days there's so many rules and regulations whatever with foster care that it's it's easy to forget which one is which but i think it's up to 14 days um, but that's the difference between babysitting and respite care. With okay. babysitting, you can only be a few hours. Okay. And then there's like an age difference, but that's going to depend and on now, which agency. And now respite care is for all children, whatever their age? I mean, that yes. they're needed for every age. Yes. And that actually brings up another topic. At what, I mean, you provide foster care for infants? Yes. All the way up to 18? And extended care. So what extended care is, when a child reaches 18, it's not, all right, you're 18, goodbye, um, have a nice life, Has hope that you do well. recently? Has that been something that was in the past? I think so, yes. It's it's a recent change. I don't know how recent, yeah. um, but it is a recent change because I think when I was in care, they started preparing you for aging out at like 16 because once you were 18, yes. you're, you're yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. That's what uh, Bob, that's mm-hmm. what happened to him, and it was it – was, Basically what you've already stated, college, or I stated, college, military, or mm-hmm. whatever, but 18, you're over. Well, yeah. that, that preparation process from 16 to 18, what would that look like? Now it's called the PALS program, which is Preparation for Adult Living, and that begins at 16, and they, I haven't actually like gone to a PALS meeting with any of my kiddos. I've had kids who have done it, but 
Um, they kind of want to go alone. You know, they're 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they don't need us there. But they go to these, and they have a PALS worker, so now that's another worker that foster parents have to communicate with. Um, and it it's exactly what it sounds like. They prepare them for adult living. They prepare them how to be independent, um, budgeting, time management. They have those conversations Hopefully the, with the them. Hopefully the foster parent would assist in this. Right, up, right. It's not always yes. guaranteed. Well, we do have to check in on that, so, so okay, um, to make sure foster parents are doing that. So to not um, leave or, or to refocus, if you will, I'm, I'm, my motive tonight is is kind of peculiar. I'm really I could have probably not been here, but because you're We're glad you you're guys here. are, I'm glad to be here. But <laughs> uh, we've got an audience that wants to know how they can help. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got two types of people. We've got those that literally want to help physically by providing a home. Right. We want to know what does that perfect family look like? Is there a picture of a perfect? Is there a perfect That's family? what I'm saying. Is there a, exactly. Because everyone expects that. Right, right. Oh, I couldn't do it because of this or because of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what we want to remove some of those excuses, number one. Number two, uh, I think we do want to address what can people that are beyond the age or beyond they just or they don't really think they or maybe they say my schedule will not allow it you mm-hmm. know, we, we've got two people in the home we both work swing shifts that's pos- obviously not going to work what would what could they do so answer if you could answer both those questions if you don't I can bring you back but go ahead okay so I'll start with the the second one because okay. that one's easier and then we can go into the other one okay. um so what can you do if you can't provide foster care for a child you can become a respite provider um we need those our foster parents need those they need a break these kids are from hard places so we need respite care providers we need babysitters if you can't provide respite care you don't want to be on the list to provide respite care you don't want to commit that many hours become a babysitter be someone the foster parent can call on and be like hey can you pick this child up from school can you um can you help me take them to the, to a doctor's appointment? Can you stay at my house, or can I bring them to your house okay. for a few hours? Um, then, then there's other things such as like going shopping for these kiddos, um, donating things to the foster families, donating things to Hope Rising for us to give to the foster families, providing meals for the foster parents, especially after they get a new placement. Do you want to be a contact to say, hey, like I can't do respite, babysitting, I can't help with any of that, but can you let me know anytime you get a new kid in a new foster home and I can prepare a meal for them or I can give them a gift card, especially right now with COVID. Maybe you don't want to cook a meal in your home. but Or or the holidays coming up. Yeah, holidays, absolutely, yeah. Um, I know churches are wanting to do angel trees this week. week. (laughs) I got emails. I've gotten emails today to take care of Christmas lists, so that's why it's on my mind. So, and and we do have other people from other churches watching. As a church, we could, just as a church, say, look, um, I'm making this stuff up, okay, as we go. We're going to, as a church, we're going to raise some money for the foster children in our area. Yeah. And raise whatever it Im- amount, put mm-hmm. it into gift cards or something, and it would be managed properly by you, and we wouldn't have to worry about it being, because there are, unfortunately, we, I think every church has been burned by s- schemes and scams. Right. Uh, but this is something that if we got involved with it, it would be a blessing to the state, a blessing to these children, and, of course, a blessing to the church, which is 
I mean, that's what we're here for. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my church actually recently, the children's ministry and some of the ladies there actually just put together little Halloween goodie bags for the yeah. kiddos because with COVID right now, especially, yeah. they're probably not going trick-or-treating. And I had one of my kiddos was talking about how excited he was, and we had to have a conversation about how, well, this year is different, and there may not be that. And he was so upset, and so yeah. we were talking, and we came up with the idea to just create their goodie bags. And so they did that, um, and that was huge. The kids loved it. Oh, my goodness. I passed those out, and our toddlers, our kiddos, I was getting texts yeah. from teens. They yeah. were so excited. That's awesome. And it was just little goodie bags, but yeah. that made their day. Yeah. So little things like that. Um, but yes, donating gift cards Meals, and whatnot. Gift cards, anything like that. And That's we give you updates. You know, we and, absolutely and, and give and you sadly, updates. And sadly, and I'm I'm talking from a pastor perspective, but sadly, most of the time, and I won't say most of the time, a lot of the times, the church is all about salvation, living right, getting mm-hmm. ready, getting yourself ready to heaven. And we really, we seldom think outside of our own needs and our mm-hmm. own you know spiritual needs to where. This is something that, in reality, going back to the beginning of this conversation, God, God said, if you abuse the, the, the fatherless, I hear their cry. Right. That, that, to me, is like, we better not, not only not abuse them, but we better take care of them. Right, yeah. And, and so this is something that I, I believe we should take personally as a church and as an individual. So anyway, so... I think right now, while this is on our hearts, yeah. is if you're at Victory Church, now's a great opportunity to either get on Moxtra and say, hey, what can we do? Well, I already told you what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> and get a game plan together or yeah. say, all right, I'm going to go to Victory Church website and I'm going to yeah. give and I'm going to put a tab over there, That's foster care giving or something like that to where yeah. it's active. Because yeah. what can happen after tonight, what always happens in things like this, is there's an initial burden. And then it wanes. The right. And, and yeah. all right, I move on with my life and, and forget it. That's what happens. That's the reality. And but so, now, I, I want to make ahead. sure that we understand this. In Victory, right here at our church, I don't know how many families we have with fosters. Several. Several families with foster children mm-hmm. and, and one family. Uh, and I'm going to say, well, I, I won't say numbers, but there are several families with foster children. So it's not... We're reminded on every we're reminded every Sunday yes. that what we do matters. Right. And, and this, oh. one of our questions right here, yeah. Nathan Sanders brought it up. He said, "What are some ways we can help build an environment where the child feels welcome and safe, whether we're fostering or just a friendly church member?" Because so often the reality yeah. is, fostering yeah. parents well, can feel very lonely. Uh, they they get into this. They're, they're hectic lives. They're already mm-hmm. doing what they've been doing, plus they've taken on a new burden. Right. What can we do as church members and, and just as, as just a friendly face, what can we do to encourage, to help, and to go out of our way? I think one of the huge things is going back to what we talked about earlier, get involved. And maybe that's not providing respite care. Maybe that's not providing babysitting. But when you know they get a new kid placed in their house, what is it that we can do to help you right now? How can meal. we help you? Yeah, Give them a bless meal. Them with a gift card. Something like that. Or do these kids need anything? Sometimes they come into care with the clothes they have on, and that's it. Wow. So maybe you can go shopping for them, go buy them, you know, new shoes, new clothes, new hair products. Uh, sometimes, like, we don't have the time to 
figure out what size clothes does this kid wear so we can gather up. Because Hope Rising definitely has a boutique, but if this is an emergency placement, we don't have time and to so go get that stuff. And so what we would do stuff. would be offset the financial burden or... Right. And in some ways, it would be the time burden if we went just to took them a meal. Right. That would yeah. even be a help. Absolutely. But the financial burden is really, initially, I'm, I'm assuming it's heavy because all you're doing is reimbursing their basic care, not... Right. I mean, they're not making a killing off this. No, no. So, yeah, we that's that's something that we could definitely do. All right, this has been a great discussion. Yeah. Is there anything that we over. missed tonight that you feel like over. needs to be said before the night is over? Because we only have just a few minutes left. How would you wrap this up? I think I would wrap it up by, you know, saying get involved um, in some way. Even if you know one of the foster parents here, maybe you're not contacting me Maybe you're not contacting another agency, but find one of the foster parents in your church and say, you know, I want to be your contact. I want to get my number in your phone. I want yeah. to know every time yeah. you get a new placement. I want to know when you need food, when you need me to go grocery shopping for you. If you want to become a respite care provider or a babysitter, you have to contact me. I'm sorry. We will have yeah. to. You know, we're going to have to talk. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, if you don't want to do that, Become a contact for one of these foster parents and just let them know that, hey, I'm here. Whenever you need me, I'm here, and I want to be there, and I want to do whatever it is you need in that moment to make your life just a little bit easier because taking care of children from hard places, is it's hard. Yeah. You know, and, and another thing that I think is very, very important that everybody in the church can do is be patient with right. the children and with the parents right. or the foster parents. Right. I think that's one of the things that I've, I know that uh, there are people that would just wants to straighten everybody out and have them line up like little army soldiers, you know. Right. And they're just, that's not possible, not, not, with what, not with the baggage they're carrying. Right, yeah. So I think all of us can just be more compassionate is really the right word. Right, yeah. And, I mean, if you want to learn more about it, there are trainings out there. You don't, you know, necessarily have to come to Hope Rising if, you know, you don't want to. We do provide trainings for that. There's we can plug, definitely put you put you yeah. through it. I love doing the trainings, um, but there are the, you can get trained. Just you know, you don't you can go in and say I don't necessarily want to be a foster parent, but I want to learn about foster children. I want to learn about what it is that foster parents do, and we will absolutely give you that training and put That's you through awesome. it and teach you. Well, I honor you for the work you've done. Thank you. Uh, despite, and I, this is the way I feel, but I, despite your past, you have felt enough compassion and, and, and have thought that you could make a difference, and you are. And I, I honor you for that. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. And, and to conclude this, someone in the comment section, Jimmy Votal, who has a lot of experience with this, he, because we were thinking is he about. tall? Ball guy? Ball Mr. Guy. Clean? That's what, that's what I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. He um, said, in, without using the word case manager, another alternative would be simply an angel. Uh. Because that's really what they yeah. are. So we have been visited by an angel tonight. And yeah. We thank you all for watching. This, we do this every Tuesday night. This is Pastor Talk, where we, we go from a Christian perspective on some real-life issues. So if there are issues, some topics that you would love for us to discuss, why don't you let us know, maybe in the comment section or message us online, and uh, let us know what you want to hear about. But, again, thank you for joining us. It was so good to have Ashley Vargas with us tonight. Yes. Hope to rising. Here. Yes. So thank you for watching. You have a great night.